husband and wife were married underneath the steeple of the church in the town they were born. On the way home from the American cathedral, the wife tore her wedding gown on a thorn. Welcome back to another episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. This is a podcast for fans of the guests who appear on this show, as well as fans of music in general, and a podcast for singers, songwriters, musicians, recording artists, entertainers who want to learn more to help them grow in what they are doing. I'm your host, Bruce Wozniak from Now Hear This Incorporated. My thanks to everyone who listens. Do make sure that you are signed up for the weekly email newsletter. Oftentimes there are exclusives in there that those who subscribe get to see first. So if you are not currently receiving that, start getting access by putting your email address in the sign-up box on the show website, nhte.net. Joining me today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Miami, my guest is a singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, actress, and film composer who just released a new single less than two weeks ago and also has an album coming out later this year. In 2019, she appeared on season 17 of American Idol, and she has also toured with High School Nation. She has 1.1 million followers on TikTok and over 100,000 monthly listeners on Spotify, where her top five songs have a combined total of over 3 million streams. On top of all that, the videos on her official YouTube channel have gotten a combined total of 1.1 million views. You've been hearing a song of hers called Sleepy People. Welcome to Now Hear This Entertainment, Peach Martine. Thank you so much for having me, Bruce. I'm so excited to be here. Yes, thanks for making time to do this. I'm looking forward to it. This will be fantastic. I'm so excited. Great, great. Well, congratulations on all the success that you're having. I'm excited to dive into all this. But first, let's have you share with the audience all about the song of yours that was just playing called Sleepy People. Well, Sleepy People is a song about my worst nightmare. And though it's a very happy-sounding song, heavily influenced by some of my favorite EDM artists as well as the Beatles, I think Sleepy People is about my very worst fear of waking up in 20 years and realizing that I've done nothing with my life. Mm. And these characters in this song just came out of the blue one day when I was writing the song in my room and I just wanted them to kind of live the life that I am afraid of and that I know a lot of people are afraid of wasting their lives and not living up to their potential and I think this song if you really listen to it will really scare people so it was definitely very fun to write. But at the same time I'm thinking of the people who listen to my show and are just being introduced to you for the first time, and they're thinking to themselves, well, Bruce just read off all these amazing statistics that she has and how well she's doing on all these different platforms. So they're thinking, why would she be thinking about 20 years from now and looking back and saying, wow, I could have done so much more. So was it, I'm going a long way, Peach, to get to the question of, was it difficult to get into that mindset knowing that things are going so well for you? You know, Bruce, this is an interesting start to the podcast, but, you know, I've, the truth is my biggest fear in life is probably failure. Mm. After I've been spending my whole life working towards my goal of, like, entertaining people and really making people enjoy music and 
relate to my music and feel, you know, understood and accepted. And I think, you know, what sets me apart from a lot of artists these days is that I write songs about things that nobody else has really written about yet. Mm. And it's all very personal and it's all very vulnerable. And even if it is my occasional love song or breakup song, which don't come out often, Mm -hmm. um, they're usually about some very, um, you know, various topics, but every song is very personal and specific and vulnerable. And I think that's why um, my lyrics connect with people, especially online. Yeah. And good for you for taking that attitude, that approach right from the get go, meaning while you are still at the beginning of your career that way, it's not a regret that you don't look back in 10 years and say, you know, I just wanted to play it safe and I just wanted lyrics that would be successful, but also keep this barrier between myself and the listeners. And so I'm going a long way to say my hat is off to you, Peach, for starting right from day one and saying, no, I'm going to be genuine. I'm going to be authentic. And I'm like you said, I'm going to be vulnerable and put myself out there. And even if it means telling people, my biggest fear is looking back and saying I could have done so much more. Yeah, I've, you know, never been one for playing it safe. I like to, especially within my music, take a lot of scary risks. I like that. So it sounds to me like you're saying that this was a solo write. You didn't write the song Sleepy People with anyone else. No, I wrote this song very quickly. I just wrote it. Um, I wrote the first half of it, start to finish, and then I, you know, posted it. It blew up, wrote the second half, and then I got to work with a fantastic producer. And I always have a a very heavy hand in the production of my songs because, um, you know, I, I play a lot of instruments myself and I usually know what parts I want each instrument to be playing. Mm. But when I sent the song to Bill Simmons, who's a fantastic producer, um, England based, uh, he really took all of my goals and my vision for it and not only brought it to life, but really made it so unique. I think. I like it. I like it. Well, at the end of today's episode, we're going to talk about Peach's newest single, which I mentioned in the intro came out less than two weeks ago. But right now, I want to talk about another track, which was released at the end of January, because, Peach, do I have this right? That song, which is called I Would Have Given You the Moon, do I have this right that that song was released after first going viral on TikTok? Walk us through that timeline, what the sequence of events was, and also, of course, what that song is about. You know, so when it went viral on TikTok, I definitely wasn't expecting it to because it is a very like, you know, it's a song about being insecure because you've been left for someone who's in a way very similar to you, but almost better than you. And I think that's, you know, obviously a very scary thing to put online. It's very definitely very personal, but I was shocked by how many people related to it. You know, I posted the song, I think once on TikTok and it got like 300 likes and then I posted it again and then it got like a hundred thousand likes in a day. Mm. And from then it just kind of skyrocketed and people really, really connected with that one. And I'm thrilled about it. And it's a very, you know, it's a song that you scream in your bar to, you know, it's a it's a cry in the bathtub song, and I love those. So I was excited <laughs> to write one, and um, I would have given you the moon is basically my ballad on the album. I'd say the most ballady ballad on the album, mm-hmm. just about 
you know, it is about a breakup, but it's also about how the next person someone dates, you have, you just, you can't help but compare yourself to them, you know, and it's usually for the worst and it usually hurts even worse. Okay, let's get into specifics in terms of the mechanics of releasing these songs. So yeah. when you say, I posted it on TikTok, and this is how many it got, and then I posted it a second time, and it really blew up. So are you talking about you posted, say, an acoustic version of you sitting and performing it, or are you talking about the actual track? Because what I'm trying to get from you is when did it actually go out to the streaming platforms as it relates to what you're describing took place on TikTok? Gotcha. Well, so Bruce... The way that I decide what songs to release is basically I'll write a song and as soon as I write it, as soon as I come up with just like lyrics, chords, melody, I'll post it right to TikTok and see if it's even worth finishing. Mm. You know, I want to see if people connect with it. I want to see if people listen to the whole thing. I want to see if anyone says, hey, you should release this because, you know, I my fans are everything to me. The people who listen are, I feel like my listeners should be able to choose which songs I release. Um, so I just posted it, you know, singing it, sitting at the piano, like I do for almost every song I write. That's decent. Okay. And yeah, it's kind of my, my little testing center for what songs are good. (laughs) I see. I see. But again, here, That's really a courageous step that you're taking because you're putting yourself in a position to not get a very good response to it. And no songwriter, no artist wants that kind of response. But you're putting yourself in a position where you're saying, well, why should I finish the song? Why should I go through all the production of it if it's not that well received to begin with? So it's very strategic. And I like that approach. But I'm also complimenting you because, as I said, you're putting yourself in a position where you might not get the reaction that you want, but at the end of the day, that's what you want, is to find out, do people like this or not? Right. So these songs that we're talking about, and and you're talking about the writing that you're doing on these, do you find that you write lyrics first, melody first, both at the same time? What is your process? So I start with lyrics. I usually have... It's it's usually very linear. Like, I'll start with the first verse, then the pre-chorus. I always struggle a bit with the chorus because I think chorus melodies are probably the trickiest thing for me. But um, I definitely start with the lyrics. And as I physically write them down, like, this doesn't work if I type them, but as I physically mm. write the lyrics down, the melody will kind of come to me. And then once I have, like, a full you know, minute of a song or usually like verse and pre-chorus or verse, pre-chorus and chorus, then I'll walk over to my piano and set it to some chords and then I'll post it. And then, you know, if all goes well, (laughs) I'll come up with uh, the other parts I want. I see. I see. So do you find that you usually come up with a title first? You usually come up with a hook first or is it very fluid? I just start right in with the first verse and I go from there. What is there? Is there a pattern or not necessarily? You know, it's never, it is never title first. Usually what I pick the title by writing the entire song. And then I think to myself, hmm, if I just heard this song on the radio and I didn't hear what it was called, what would I Google to find the song? Hmm. And then that's how I come up with the title. You know, there's usually a line that repeats or a line that really catches people's attention. And that's the title, you know? Uh, So cool. I like that. I like that. 
Well, because we were on the subject, I do want to stick with talking about your presence on TikTok a little bit. My gosh, 1.1 million followers. I know you're going to give advice to anyone listening that wonders what the key is to succeeding on that platform. In that, I'm sure you're going to say that you have to be consistent, but don't let me put words in your mouth. Talk about all that you have done (laughs) in building up such a great following on TikTok. Oh, gosh. Well, I mean, you hear the same things a lot when you ask people, you know, how to grow following on TikTok. It's just like, be consistent, find a niche. But I think it's a lot more specific than that. You really have to figure out who you want your content to attract. Like my fan base and my ideal fan base, I should say, is like, my ideal demographic would be, you know, women, girls, ages like 13 to 30-ish, you know, around my age. And I think the next thing is to not just be consistent with when you post, but if you really are going to go for it, you might as well go all out, you know. Mm. TikTok is such a tool. We, we used to have singing shows and we used to have to track down people at record labels and everything we don't have to artists don't have to do that anymore you just have to write a good song and post it it's that it's really that easy nowadays like if you build it they will come that's what the internet has done for us so if you post every funny thought you have and every song you write and everything you're interested in you'll find the people that connect to you you know just kind of like walking into a room and making some friends and if you post 10 times a day you know, something's bound to blow up eventually, I think. Wow. Wow. I love all of that. There's so much in there that, that we can pull out. That part at the end about walking into a room and attracting people, you're right, because everybody in that room is not going to be somebody that you really mesh with. But some people are, and the same thing with the content that you put out there. It's not going to be attractive to everybody, but that's okay. You're not trying to draw everybody in. You're just trying to draw the audience that you just described. And then to take it one step further is something that I pulled out of that description is you saying, don't just post for the sake of posting. It has to be consistent with your brand and it has to be something that will draw those people to you. If you're just posting because people tell you, you got to be consistent, you got to stay present on TikTok and you're putting up junk. Well, no one's going to be attracted to junk. Yeah, (laughs) I do see two things that I wish I could just like, you know, go back and tell myself when I started making TikToks or or say to anyone who's like, hey, Peach, uh, what should I be posting on TikTok to get people to listen to my music? Because as much as I spend hours on TikTok a day to the point where it's ridiculous and my (laughs) screen time on my phone is almost laughable, (laughs) I think... um, the way to go about it is like you can't don't post too many ridiculous things where people don't even know that you make music. Mm. Like it's fine to do like a dance video or, you know, a selfie or whatever, but people do want to hear your music. Make sure people know that you do make music. But on the other hand, there is kind of like a too far on the spectrum where if you only post music and people don't really, you know, know your personality or Mm. connect aren't able to connect with you as much because people like to get to know artists. You know, I think, I think people are kind of sick of the mysterious pop star thing, especially in my generation, you know, people want to know who you are. People want to know what your personality is like and what you're doing all day, you know, and you, you can go too far where it's just music. And I think people just want to get to know you, you know? Yeah. I like that. And, 
you know, this idea that you said about all the screen time, I think for anyone who's listening right now that says, oh my gosh, I don't have that kind of time to be just continuously creating content on TikTok. I don't mean this as a criticism audience, but it really boils down to you get out of it what ex- exactly what you put into it, which applies to so many other things in life. And so it's not only being consistent, but if you are only posting once a day or if you say, no, my pattern is once every other day, and then you look at someone like Peach who's posting several times a day, yes, it becomes practically a job for her. But this is what her career is, is music. And so she's getting the returns from it. You hear she has 1.1 million followers. Well, that's because she's constantly giving them so much. And so, Peach, I think you would agree that if someone's going to be lackadaisical with TikTok, they should not expect very much in the way of returns. Um, yeah. I mean, of course, some people get lucky and have like a super great viral video. Mm. I think I very rarely get lucky. You know, there's been a few times where I have, you know, gotten lucky and gained a ton of followers off one video. But I think it's just like you got to give people something to follow, basically, like not just click follow, but, you know, The more content you post, that's more content for people to like and enjoy. And, you know, it's I don't think of it always as just self-promo. Like, sometimes it's nice just knowing that, like, I'm making someone laugh Mm. or I'm making Mm. someone or I'm making music for someone to enjoy, you know? Yeah. Because they're real people out there. And sometimes sometimes I do forget that when it's like I see, like, a bunch of the red buttons that say new follower but those are like all people who saw my content was like wow that that, that entertained me you know yeah. and that, that's why I like to read all my dms and get really close to everyone that listens to my music if they want to you know mm. I have like zero unopened dms right now oh on my instagram gosh. because oh I love gosh I love talking to my fans so much wow wow that's amazing this is a full-time job for you I don't even have to ask I can tell <laughs> I mean, that's, I think that's my, my favorite part besides being on stage. Obviously, being on stage is my favorite part, but, you know, it, it's nice to be able to entertain people from afar, especially during COVID, you know? Yeah, true. And it shows that they're invested. It's you're talking back with them. You're not talking to them. You're talking with them. And so they're invested in what you're doing. And they, they are genuinely interested and want to see and they want to keep up with you and they want to keep in contact with you. Yeah, absolutely. You know, I have like, there's some fans that I talk to every single day, whether they're seventh grade girls or like 30 year old, like new moms, you know, they're fantastic people. (laughs) I love it. I love it. I mentioned in the intro that the videos on your official YouTube channel have gotten a combined 1.1 million views, but there's actually still another platform that I'm interested to hear you talk about in that the music video for just one of your songs alone, it's called True Story, has 2.8 million views thanks to a partnership with Facebook. Tell us all about how all that came together. Well, I'm sorry to sound like a broken record, but the song (laughs) did do extremely well on TikTok. Ah. Um, And I think that does have a hand in it. So I believe that Facebook saw... um, probably saw the video and were like, Hey, are you going to make a music video for this? Um, and I did, and I had made one and it was all ready to go. And I actually wrote my own treatment plan for that music video. Cause I knew exactly what I wanted it to look like. Mm. Um, 
yeah, I mean, it's, it's a very visual song. It's really, you know, it's called True Story because it's, you know, something that happened to me. I was just going mm-hmm. through all those exact things and thinking back to what had happened. And I want to depict that in the music video as best as I could. And I think, think that's why people got excited for it. And I'm really grateful for all those views and for that partnership with Facebook. So was this just a one-time thing, or did Facebook say, let's release th- this one and then let's do a couple more, or let's see how this one does, and if it's good, you know, we want to do more, or was it just, as far as I know, Bruce, it was a one-time only thing? As far as I know, it was, because I don't have any um, music video, real official music videos ready to go. Obviously, okay. I'm releasing a live music video um, from Romeo and Juliet, which is a, you know, one of my crazy ideas. Um, it's definitely out of the ordinary, but I think, you know, that's what I like to do in general. Awesome. I love it. I dig True Story, by the way. I watched the video, and I love the production on that song in that you are actually singing something that every girl your age would say in a normal everyday conversation, yet you married it with a melody that makes it work for something that I'm sure lots and lots and lots of your fans, your followers, your target audience are singing along with. Thank you. I'm glad you like it. Yeah, because that's what I thought of as I listened to you perform that song. As I'm watching the video, I'm thinking, this is basically her just taking an everyday conversation and saying, hold on, if I set a melody to this, I can actually turn it into a song rather than just a conversation. Yeah, I think a lot of my songs are very conversational. I don't really like to do that vague, like something I'd never say type of thing that I hear on the radio nowadays. I'd rather just be kind of like honest, basically. I don't feel, not that I'm the coolest person in the world or anything, because my, believe me, my friends would tell you I'm a complete dork. (laughs) But um, I do just kind of write what I'm thinking and feeling yeah, and that helps it make it that much more relatable. I hope so, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, speaking of songs of yours, I mentioned back in the intro that you've got a new album that will be coming out later this year. I know there's not an exact date for the release yet, but what can you tell us about it at this point in terms of, say, maybe how many songs will be on it, what stage is it at right now in terms of things like writing, recording, mixing, whatever details you can share? Oh, Bruce, <laughs> this, this album's an adventure. Let me let me tell you that. I've, you know, I've written some songs for this album, you know, when I was like 15, and some of the songs from this album three days ago. You know, I just keep, this is technically my debut album, even though I released my first song when I was nine, wow. you know, so I've been doing this for 10 years now. So this is, you know, my debut album, and it's just, got a lot of opportunities now that I can't even can't even hold it back any longer. I'm just so excited to get it out into the world and I'm excited for people to hear it because it really is like this is kind of what my what all this practice has led up to is mm. making hopefully a very groundbreaking album. Outstanding. Outstanding. I'm joined today on the Now Hear This Entertainment guest line from Miami by singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, actress, and film composer Peach Martin. As you've been hearing us discuss, she is all over social media. On the show page for this episode at nhte.net, I'm going to put a link to beacons.page slash peachmartine, which is like a link tree. 
There's also a link to her beacons.page slash peachmartine in her Instagram bio. But point is, once you land there, you will see lots and lots of links. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, and even her Patreon. Peach's music is available on the major streaming platforms such as Apple Music and Spotify, and obviously keep up with her online for the announcement when the new album is released later this year. At the very start of the show, I mentioned the e-newsletter. If you were getting that, you would have been the first to find out that I will be in Las Vegas from this Friday, April 22nd, to next Friday, the 29th, and that I've been chosen to be a speaker at PodFest Multimedia Expo, which means that I'll be in Orlando from May 25th to the 29th, sharing some of my podcasting wisdom with the attendees of that conference. I'm also sharing knowledge from my more than eight years of doing this show every week through one-on-one podcasting consultations, doing coaching with everyone from people who are thinking of starting a podcast to people who already have a podcast up and running. These are private one-on-one video sessions that you can bring your questions to so that I can give you the help that comes from having hosted this and other podcasts for a combined total of more than 600 episodes. Take advantage of that by booking a session with me. Just send an email to podcast at nhte.net or even send me a private message on Instagram or Facebook. Peach, I'm fascinated by the fact that, check this out audience, I've been referring to Peach as a multi-instrumentalist. You play piano, guitar, violin, electric bass, and harmonica. Yeah. Wow. I, I don't even I don't even know where to start here. <laughs> I'm, I'm thinking of questions like, is piano your main, your go-to instrument? Do you play multiple instruments on the music that you record? Do you have any deals with, say, the Gibson guitars or Yamaha for piano or anything like that? Let, let's hear about all these instruments that you play. Piano is my thing. Piano's always been my thing. I started taking piano lessons when I was like four or five, and wow. then I stopped it a week later because I hated it so much. <laughs> and then I was like, screw it, I'll teach myself because I was a mm. bossy four-year-old. <laughs> <laughs> and then I taught myself piano, and I've always been self-taught on piano. And then I think I was about mm, nine when I started guitar lessons, and I did that for a little while, too. And then now I would say I'm a, I'm no slash or anything, but I'm pretty good at like rhythm guitar. I definitely know enough to write parts for my songs and know what I would want a solo to sound like, okay. even if it would take me a very long time to play said solo. <laughs> um, you know, and my, my love of bass comes from my obsession with the band Queen and Motley Crue, who mm. have two of my favorite bass players of all time. You know, I think Nikki Six is, just incredible and as well as John Deacon those are two I think of some of the best musicians that have ever lived and um you know harmonica I remember when I used to live in Cleveland Ohio my mom took me to see the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame induction and I had the pleasure of seeing Donovan play and he was playing guitar and he had that harmonica thing that goes around your neck when you play guitar so that he could play guitar and harmonica at the same time and I was thinking to myself I bet I could do that (laughs) (laughs) like it looks really hard but that sure would be a fun thing to learn and then you know as you get into like I'm a big lover of classic rocks and I think one of my favorite songs would be like What I Like About You by The Romantics and that harmonica solo is something I torture my mom 
weekly by playing <laughs> around the house. Um, so yeah, I just, I love playing instruments. I really want to get great at like every instrument I can. But so when you record your original music, which of those are you actually playing yourself? Um, I almost always play the piano on my songs. Um, from, from time to time, I'll play the guitar, but lately the incredible producers I've been working with have all happened to be incredible guitarists. Like I'm working with a producer named Samuel Joseph, and he's the front man of Hello Forever, so he's a great guitarist. And um, yeah, I, I definitely enjoy playing piano the best. I, all of my songs start on the piano. Mm. Even if they are rock songs. <laughs> well, and that sounds like the Queen influence to me. And, and I'm glad you started to go there because I did want to make sure that the audience understood that even though I said that you're calling in from Miami, which is where you live, that Peach is originally from Cleveland, which, as you heard her say, is the home of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. And it sounds like growing up there very much influenced your sound today, Peach. Absolutely. Clevelanders are music lovers. That's one thing for sure. You know, you you really got to love music growing up in Cleveland because every restaurant has a band playing and um, there's a lot of cool artists from Cleveland and I just think Cleveland is just a great place to live and to, to have grown up and I learned so much about classic rock which is still my favorite genre and still basically the only genre i listen to <laughs> so yeah i love it i have no complaints with that for the record <laughs> yeah while i mentioned back in the intro that in 2019 you were on season 17 of american idol what i did not mention is that you got the golden ticket to hollywood but and i'm going to stop there and let you fill the audience in on how that story continues which includes something else i mentioned in the intro which is high school nation right so i'm not i'm not totally i don't know how really much i'm supposed to talk about it but i always talk about it anyway <laughs> um so that was a, a super exciting time for me you know i was 16 turning 17 and it aired when i was 17 so that was almost three years ago now, which is crazy. Um, and I totally enjoyed myself, made some cool friends, you know, got a shiny golden ticket, which was a very exciting day for me. You know, Lionel Richie gave me some compliments that will keep me motivated until the day I die, I think. And um, I wound up kind of switching gears because I really wanted to go on tour. You know, it's always been my dream to, to tour around. So I really fell in love with touring on the high school nation tour. You know, even if we're, I wasn't staying in the Ritz, I was just in like days in and stuff. <laughs> it was still so fun. And I think I really got the experience of, you know, playing shows for people who actually wanted to see me for the first time, mm. which sounds crazy, but I'm sure any musician will know that, a lot of the times when you're playing in like, you know, bars and clubs and festivals and fundraisers and stuff, it's sometimes like, you know, sometimes you're just an inconvenience to the audience that you're playing <laughs> loud music. You know, I've, I've played in rooms of, you know, like a thousand people so far. And I've played in rooms of two people that were very irritated that I was being so loud, you know, and it's that I'm very thankful for that experience. But I'm also thankful that like, you know, this year, my first headline tour is within reach. So 
very, very grateful. <laughs> I have this big silly grin on my face right now, and it's kind of contradictory to what I'm going to say, but I just love the fact that you're just so honest. And, and to come out and say that, that I realize that I'm an inconvenience, but oh, well, deal with it. That, <laughs> I love that. I mean, yeah, <laughs> you know, I don't know. I, I wasn't, I don't think I was a good singer or songwriter until like probably sophomore year of high school, even though all of my friends and family were forced to hear me sing long, long, long before that. <laughs> I think that just came from wanting it really bad and practicing every day that, you know, it came to a point when I'd written like 2000 songs and I did finally write a good song because mm. I just wanted it so bad that I practiced so much. So even though I'm going to say that there's an expression that goes, it's easier to ask for forgiveness later than for permission now, I do want to be respectful of the fact that you're saying, I don't know how much I can say, how much I should say. So understand I'm not trying to back you into a corner, but I just want to get the exact timing (laughs) so the audience understands. So you get this golden ticket to go to Hollywood for American Idol. At what exact time did you say, even though I have this golden ticket, I'm not going to go. Like, did you actually go to Hollywood or was it, no, I never even went. I got the golden ticket and that's when I decided, never mind, I'm just going to go do the High School Nation tour. Oh, that's a, that's a really good question that I feel like I should consult my very friendly lawyers before because <laughs> I know that's kind of a, it was kind of a tricky situation for me. But I was like, well, I got what I wanted. I wanted to be on TV and I didn't want to sign a very constrictive contract. So, okay. you know, I just kind of took the best opportunity, kind of banking on myself a little bit. Okay, so in other words, if anyone's kind of digging around on YouTube, they're not going to see... Because I want the audience to understand here that you should not be looking for Peach on YouTube on American Idol in Hollywood. Is it, I'll, I'll, I'll give you the safe out that way. Am I correct, Peach? They, they won't see you. Right. Okay, okay. That, yeah. Yeah, that, that's all I was looking for. That's all I was yeah. looking for. So then tell us when and why did you move to Miami? And, and by the way, as much as we might all think we already know this ourselves, tell us in your own words about the music scene there, in, in addition to, like I said, when and why you moved to Miami from Cleveland. You know, while it is while it is a lot better than Cleveland's music scene, just based on like how many places there are to play and stuff, it is a very um, hip hop and Latin area. I think those two genres are have the monopoly over Miami's music scene. You know, there's a little bit of EDM in like Miami Music Week, but not a lot of cool lots of places to play anymore. And sadly, a lot of them shut down during COVID, Mm. you know, rest in peace to all the cool Miami rock venues. (laughs) But um, I am on a mission to kind of bring only the good parts of rock and roll back. So when and why did you move to Miami? I moved in eighth grade when I was 13 Uh, to Miami Beach. Okay. Was that, uh, (laughs) was that, you know, mom or dad got a job there kind of thing? Um, you know, not really. I kind of convinced my parents to, well, just me and my mom, I convinced me and my mom to move down so that I could go to uh, a performing arts, you know, art school uh, called Miami Art so that I could study music theory and get classically okay. trained. Okay, nice, nice. I like that. I like that. And gosh, you know, all due respect to Cleveland and as you said, the, the rich music history up there, but come on. 
given the choice, where do you think most people are going to want to come down here to the Sunshine State or or stay up in the in the snowy cold north? So I I think that's a no brainer. <laughs> yeah, I really do love it here. I'm curious then. So as you're describing the music scene in Miami. As much as we really, really heard how much growing up in Cleveland has influenced you, do you think that the Miami music community has started to have a little bit of influence maybe into your sound? No. <laughs> Not really. I don't know how it hasn't. I've, I've learned a lot here, and there's a lot of music lovers here. You know, you can't walk a block in Miami without hearing music, whether it's from an apartment window or out a car window, you know, everybody loves music here. It's a great place to be and it's a beautiful place. I think the way Miami shaped the music I write has just been by giving me incredible experiences, mm. you know, meeting amazing people and going to super cool places and just kind of, kind of being more cultured, you know, in Cleveland, there's like not as many cultures as there are like Miami is such a worldwide city yeah. that's like and there's tourists here and you get to meet new people every day from different parts of the world speaking different languages and it's been incredible yeah as someone who's only four hours from there I have made that drive a number of times and I can echo what Peach is saying that's very diverse there and as much as it is a tourist destination, I think for a local like yourself, Peach, it also offers some respite in terms of, yeah, I can sit in my bedroom and write a song, or I can go to the beach and write a song, or I can go to a park and write a song and all of a sudden just have a different atmosphere around me where that environment might have a little bit of influence on my writing, even if it's just giving me some peace and really being able to focus on the song that I'm trying to write instead of the distraction of whatever you might typically get distracted by at home. Absolutely, sure. And folks, I'll put a link on the show page for this episode at nhte.net just to give you an example. I interviewed Megan Morrison. I drove down to Miami and visited with her down there. I also did my first of two interviews with Carly Jo Jackson down in Miami. Uh, she's been on twice. She has since relocated to Austin uh, but it's always fun to get out and meet guests in person, either interviewing them or, as I know is going to be the case with my new friend Peach, since she's only four hours from me. I know the next time I go down there, I'll be hitting her up so that we can meet face-to-face. -face. But I hope you enjoy going back and listening to some past episodes, and specifically, in this case, Megan Morrison and Carly Jo Jackson. We're in the home stretch here, but before we start winding things down, this is really different. On the beacons.page that I mentioned that you have, Peach, there's an entry on there that says rent from Peach's wardrobe. Yeah. That's cool. What, what's that all about? So as my fans know, I'm huge into fashion, huge into makeup. For all my photo shoots, I, I like to style myself and do my own hair and makeup. I think that's part of, um, part of being a rock star is the, the glam, you know? And I take great style influence from everyone, from Mick Jagger to... Elton John, I like to wear some funky clothes. So on my wardrobe, I have available to rent um, some outfits that I've worn in photo shoots or some pieces that were custom made for me. And I think that's a, just a cool little thing for fans to be able to do. And it's like, if I'm not wearing these six pieces, someone should be able to, right? <laughs> okay, but help me understand. So in sports, we hear about you could win 
a game-worn jersey from Insert Athlete here. So is this the exact top that you wore in such and such a video? Or is it, well, it's not the one that I pulled onto my body, but it's the same top. It's just, you know, you can rent these from whoever this is that has it. No, this is this is literally my wow. pieces on my wardrobe or my wow. clothes. Wow, 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 that's yeah. really cool. You that's know, it's really kind cool. of, it's almost like deep, it's like a library for clothes. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. I like that. That's very different. I have to say this is episode 427 and I've never talked to anyone that, that offers that. So that's, that's really unique. Yeah. It's a great, it's a great app. You know, I'm obsessed with it. I love renting, <laughs> you know, whether it be designer clothes or custom clothes or vintage clothes that you just can't go to Macy's and find, you know, <laughs> um, I like, I like to wear some interesting stuff and I know a lot of my fans do too, because a lot of my fans are creative people. I have some super cool, everything from like tattoo artists to like sculptors. My fans are, they're such cool people. I don't know how I got so lucky. <laughs> well, do you think that interest in fashion and everything that you're describing, do you think that's influenced by living in Miami, which as we know is very well known for their fashion? Oh, absolutely. I mean, I am happiest when covered in glitter and sequins and bright colors and feathers and leather and fake fur. It's fantastic. You know, I barely even stick out here when I wear my, you know, six inch tall boots and (laughs) scary sunglasses and sparkly makeup and stuff. It's fantastic. And you know, in Cleveland, I look like a clown. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, you're right though, because I can picture sitting on ocean drive and seeing you walk by and you go, you know, yeah, whatever. Like that's, that's what you see here in Miami. Like, what's your question? What's the big deal? (laughs) Yeah. And I, I value being done up at all times. You know, I think it's, I learned that from like Dolly Parton and some of my Mm. favorite artists who are also very glamorous. So then when will we be able to add in the word model? Because I say singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, blah, blah, blah. But would there not be modeling opportunities for you? You know, I I used to model very often and I hated it. Ah, <laughs> yeah, okay. that was uh, another part. Besides playing shows every weekend in high school, I would also do that. And I, you know, I don't... I don't very much like it. It feels like being a mannequin. <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. We're going to close today with Peach's brand new single that you've heard me mention a couple times. Just came out less than two weeks ago on April 8th, to be exact. Peach, the song is called Romeo and Juliet. Before I let you go and I play that track, share with the audience all about this song, if you would, please. It is a very chaotic up-tempo love song. I'm very, very excited about that. I think it's a song where, you know that when you just fall in love and you just start dating and you're, you, it's just gone from a crush to like an official relationship <laughs> and you're, they're meeting your friends and you're everything's sexy and flirty and exciting and you're trying to be sarcastic and witty but you're just, you know, everything's going on and everything's nervous and you're just obsessed. I think that's the vibe. And I think um, it's just being on top of the world because you've just fallen in love. And before I ask you if you wrote the song by yourself, do you write all your songs by yourself or do you do some co-writing? Um, You know, I do some co-writing. I'm just starting to kind of get into it because I think it's really fun. And also I love ghostwriting for other artists. Mm. And um, 
it's co-writing is a good way to kind of break into that area as well. So, you know, writing songs has always been my thing. I'm a songwriter first and foremost, but I just love working with other artists. You know, I love collaborating with other artists and working with writers. And I think it's so fun. But see, I'm interested in the fact that you just said I'm a songwriter first and foremost, because if you think of it from the standpoint of from a very young age, a very young age, a boy or a girl could start singing right away, but they're not going to start songwriting until who knows, maybe they're 12, 13, 14, 15 years old. So I'm interested in the fact that you said that I'm a songwriter first and foremost. Well, I've been writing songs since I could write, Mm. you know, like the first things that I would write were like pretend songs about like my Barbies or horses and stuff. (laughs) I think sometimes, sometimes when you're a writer, you're just always a writer. Mm. And I know a lot of people listening will be able to relate to that. Well said. Well said. And so before I close here, it sounds like folks should follow you in addition to the many reasons that we've talked about, because there could be some announcements coming out about live performances in 2022 where they can go see you live. Yes. As soon as I get this album out, I'm headed out on tour. Awesome. You know, world conditions permitting. Yeah. Don't yeah. mean to jinx anything. <laughs> yeah. Awesome. Awesome. That's great news. Well, Peach, congratulations on the new song. Can't wait for the album to drop and everything else that goes with it. Really enjoyed talking to you. Thank you for being on Now Hear This Entertainment. Thank you very, very much for having me. You're an incredible interviewer, and this has been so much fun. Oh, thank you. Thank you. That means a lot. And with that, I will wrap up another new episode of Now Hear This Entertainment. My sincere thanks to singer, songwriter, multi-instrumentalist, actress, and film composer Peach Martin. To connect with her online, again, I will put a link on the show page for this episode at nhte.net, which will send you over to beacons.page slash peachmartine. Once you land on that, you'll see lots and lots of links to engage with Peach on a variety of platforms. This morning, I followed her on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and I'm sure she would appreciate you doing the same. Of course, there's also her YouTube channel and her TikTok, so make sure you hit her up on both of those as well. Her music is available on the likes of Apple Music and Spotify, so do support her by purchasing downloads, following her, streaming her music, all of the above, and for that matter, tell Peach you heard her and her music on Now Hear This Entertainment. You can see me if you'll be in Las Vegas from this Friday to next Friday, April 22nd to the 29th, or in Orlando from May 25th to the 29th. But you do not even have to travel to see me one-on-one for a private online video consultation to help you with podcasting. Whether you're beginning, intermediate, or advanced, I'm happy to help with whatever questions, challenges you have. Even if you have an idea for a podcast but don't know the steps to get started, let me help you out. I have been speaking at podcasting events around the country for several years now. I've been hosting this show every week for more than eight years now. There's another one that I do every week that started over three years ago. I'm helping folks just like you, and I even posted an article about it on the website. Email me through podcast at nhte.net or send me a private message through Instagram or Facebook, and let's schedule a time to get together online so that you too can enjoy your podcasting experience. The Instagram account for this show is at Now Hear This Entertainment. That's going to do it for episode 427. Thanks ever so much for listening. I'll send you out today with another song from Peach Martine. This is the one she just talked about. It's called Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet.
but to me our love is far more beautiful. Though early on they lost life, I'm sure we'll stand the test of time. Nobody can do us like we will. Romeo and Juliet have nothing on us cause they're dead. 